<clears throat> well, good morning. Welcome to our continuing Bible study in the book of Luke in chapter 9. And <clears throat> today we're going to be uh, concerned with verses uh, 44 through 48. Uh, we'll kind of back up a little bit just to keep our context in view here. And and as we've been going through not just the ninth chapter of Luke, but all all through here, the, the Lord has been consistently giving His is disciples spiritual teachings and as they grew then he would give them more and, and more and more and and we we remember back uh, uh, he, he taught them by the parable of the sower uh, you you're going to be going out and preaching the gospel here's what to expect some of it's going to fall on bad ground it's not going to it's not going to yield much some of it's going to be in thorns, it's going to be choked out, but some of it was going to be landing on ground that was prepared by the Holy Spirit, and it was going to yield fruit. And uh, but but it it wouldn't be the most, but uh, it would it would yield. And, and then uh, he he taught them with the the loaves and the fishes and the calming Mike, of the. You need to unmute. I was afraid the church had started. Hi, Norm. It has. There's Norman. Can you see him? Teeny yes. tiny. Yes, we can. He's saying happy birthday to you. All right. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. This is too good. <laughs> Our family, we love her. Good comment. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, we see our we see the disciples being taught various things by the Lord as they go along, and and uh, and there's just always so much more than 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 we can know. <clears throat> and let's back up here to verse uh, 44, where the the Lord. Uh, was addressing the disciples and he had just got through casting out this devil out of this uh, man's son and 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 they were all they, they'd been up on the Mount of Transfiguration and the three of the disciples and, and the rest of them were down and they'd been trying to cast this devil out unsuccessfully and when Jesus came down and took care of the issue, uh, <clears throat> in verse 43 says, And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered every one and all the things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, Let these these sayings sink down into your ears. <clears throat> this is the important thing. This The rest of this stuff is just peripheral stuff. Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. The Son of Man was going to be uh, turned over and, and betrayed and rejected and killed and raised again the, the third day and, uh, for, the, for the salvation of his people. He says, but they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not saying. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to ask if we don't understand something in that the Lord gives us in the scripture, we should just ask him. 
And if it pleases him to reveal it, then then hallelujah. hallelujah. <clears throat> and anyway, in verse 46, then there arose, uh, this is kind of where we get down to where the rubber meets the road with our human nature. There arose a reasoning or a debate among the disciples, which of them should be greatest? Uh, it's ironic that right after they had a massive failure, <laughs> there's, which one? Which one of us is the best at that? And, uh, th anyway, Jesus perceiving the the thought of their heart, and that's something important for us to remember that that He knows what's in our hearts, and and even though we may think we're clever or not disclosing that to Him, He He can read our hearts and knows what's there. He He perceiving the thought of their heart took a child and set him by him. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name shall receive me, <clears throat> and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you, uh, among you all, the, the same shall be great. And so it seems like kind of this is kind of a total. What's he talking about this, this receiving this child for when they're arguing about who's the greatest and what does that have to do with anything? And but. You know, there's always a bigger spiritual picture than than what we just see at first glance, and 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 again here, we, this spiritual nature is very important here. <clears throat> and the disciples were, in many ways, they were kind of, in many respects, like this child which the Lord had <clears throat> brought in as a, as a kind of a, by way of an analogy. He, he, he uses that in parables to bring things that they were familiar with to teach them spiritual truths. And this is one of those times. And, and a, a lot of this has to do with how believers treat one another and how they view and treat Christ. That, that, that's kind of a paramount importance here. They were debating uh, each other about who's the greatest. Well, that's not biblical. <laughs> that is just not biblical. So we'll look at that here in a minute. But, uh, you know, earlier he had admonished them with this saying, let, let these sayings sink into your ears about me coming as a substitute to pay for your sins. Paying the price. The Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But, but they understood not. It kind of was, they had their minds focused on something else. And, and many times <clears throat> then as now in the church, we, we have our preconceived notions about how we want things to be or how we think things should end up. Or, and, and many times it does not fall within the scope of God's uh, plan for what's going on. <clears throat> and, and so we're going to look at that a little bit. <clears throat> and, you know, even after the resurrection, these disciples still were under the wrong assumptions on, on many things. And, and uh, in Acts chapter 1, if you turn over to Acts chapter 1, we'll just read the first few verses there in Acts. And this is after the Lord had fulfilled these things that He said, the Son of Man must be betrayed. He must be crucified. He must die and, and be buried and rise again the third day. These things have taken place. And now He's appeared to these ones and it's recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise I have made, O Theophilus, that uh, 
of all Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments to the apostles whom whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you, you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So he's telling them spiritual things. They're going to get a baptism by the Holy Spirit. They're going to be given some gifts and abilities. And they're to remain there. But what's on their mind? In verse 6 it says, When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will at this time, uh, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> that was on their mind. Oh boy. Well, he was dead. We thought that was gone. Now he's back. He says, okay, you're back. Are you, is now the time when we're going to get the physical world back in, in the way that we think it should be? You're going to throw the Romans out and we get the kingdom back and it'll be like the good old days. <clears throat> and he just got through telling them, you know, the kingdom of God, not this world. <laughs> but the kingdom of God. So if we break this down to the basic elements of the gospel, we can learn and and apply them in our present situation. You know, we're born into this world, a world that's ruined by the fall, and it's the kind of the physical world that we know and understand, and and uh, in our natural in our natural state, we can only see and only know this world. It's all, it's all we have for a reference, a frame of reference. In Corinthians, it says the natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're, neither can he know them because they're, they're, they're foolishness unto him and, and because they're spiritually discerned. And we have no spiritual ability to do that in our natural, uh, unregenerated uh, capacity. <clears throat> And he explained, Jesus explained this to this principle to Nicodemus there in John chapter 3. If you want to turn over to John chapter 3 and we'll read verse 3 through 6. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't see it. It's right in front of him, but it's spiritual. Nicodemus saith unto him, and he, as he looks at this through physical thinking and physical eyes, he says, well, how can that be? How can a man be born when he's old? <clears throat> can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Can't see the kingdom of God? Can't enter. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. So that's the, the kind of the condition that we're in. And, and even after we're born again, just like these disciples, we still have a view of things that's 
not always uh, realistic compared to the spiritual things not not reality as it as it should be <clears throat> and <clears throat> uh, Paul he kind of explained this in Galatians chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 he said grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father <clears throat> so we, we like the disciples, are often found living and, and operating under false assumptions. You know, even if we agree that there's a heavenly world, uh, a world to come, it's sometimes called in, in the scriptures. <clears throat> we we kind of get to thinking that this world is the world. And we think that this, this is what there is. And <clears throat> that... This world can be fixed, <laughs> and uh, but you know this world was ruined by the fall. It was cursed, <clears throat> and the only fix that's going to fix it is when God comes back and and creates a new heaven and a new earth. Then this one will be be done away with. So it's vital to keep in mind uh, this number one that we're born into this world, and in in that state we can't see or understand the reality of the spiritual world. And the first step, uh, the first step, then is as Jesus told Nicodemus, "Yet start over. You must be born again, spiritually." And he said, "That which is born of the flesh is flesh; it can only deal with this set of circumstances. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit." And <clears throat> so the flesh problem tells us in John chapter 6. So as these disciples, except one of them that we know of, they were all born again, and yet they still are laboring under these false assumptions because they hadn't grown spiritually to the point where they they understood a lot of things. And that is a, a, a problem in reality that we face now. People that that say, well, I'm a Christian, but here's what, how I think it ought to be. <laughs> I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but I, I have my notions about this or that uh, uh, and, and how God should operate and uh, who's sovereign and, and those types of things. And, and, <clears throat> and much of it is out of line with the, what the Bible says. And so they have problems with that. So <clears throat> even though they're they're in the flesh, they they have trouble overcoming and unlearning preconceived ideas. Those are the hardest ones. Unlearning stuff is a lot harder than just learning something new. And that that brings us back to our text. Is he says he brings this child in as as his example. He br- he took a child and brought it in. And they they had the eve die about who was going to be greatest. They were treating each other badly because the they were arguing about. Well, I'm I cast out twenty seven demons and you only cast out three. And mine had long ears and a big horn and you know bifurcated tail and all that all that kind of stuff. And yours was just a little furry thing with long teeth and it was a nothing, you know and. and all these crazy things that we get involved in and 
And <clears throat> so even though they could now receive spiritual things, all of them except one, uh, they still struggled with these things in the flesh. And Jesus had been bringing them along at the pace that they were able. Uh, uh, and it's always the same. He, in John chapter 16, he says, he says, I have many things yet to tell you, but you can't bear them now. Your, your mind is full. <laughs> it's like full right up. and I can't get one more thing in there. And, and so they have to come along uh, slowly. And, and, and we are, and they were like this child that Jesus set by him. You know, we, have, we look at a child and we, we, we think when we see a child. They're new. As my dad used to say, for kids, everything's new. Everything tastes new. Everything smells new. Everything is new to them. You know, they haven't been around in 50 years. <laughs> so everything is, everything is a new experience for them. And they're learning everything all the time, even the stuff that we don't want them to learn. Uh, and <clears throat> so uh, they're like little sponges, you know. And he says, you need to be like them. And... And, and little kids aren't, uh, they're not in a much of a competitive mode most of the time. No, they don't have, they don't have any knowledge that's derived from themselves. They're, they're dependent on others for their learning. And, and that's the way these disciples were being instructed. He said, <clears throat> they're arguing, I'm the greatest. And he's and you know if it'd been me, I'd just slapped him upside the head and said, <laughs> "No, you're not." <laughs> and he says, "Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is you all great." So he he takes us teaching you to a spiritual level that's way beyond just a scolding or an admonishing and and he brings it about in a compassionate way and in John 6:45 it says it's written in the prophets and they shall be all taught of God everyone that's born again shall be taught of God taught not only just from him but about him every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the father cometh unto me, comes unto Christ. <clears throat> and, uh, and we find in Isaiah, the 28th chapter, that he can't just flood us with all knowledge all at once. In Isaiah 28, 9, it says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? But them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, they have to be uh, of a learning age. And, and uh, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And that's what he's been doing right along with the disciples from the minute he called them from or whatever occupation they were engaged in. He brought them along and and gave them line upon line and precept upon precept. 
He says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. That's the gospel. That's the rest. It's like it says in Hebrews chapter 4. In, he that it enters into my rest has ceased from his own works. <clears throat> and this is the refreshing. Yet, says, yet they wouldn't hear. Isn't that silly? <laughs> Isn't that, it's just sort of antithetical. It's, it's you give somebody good news and yet they won't hear. And, and until they're like Nicodemus, he said, unless you be born again, you can't see it. can't hear it. You can't understand it. Makes no sense. It's foolishness to you. <clears throat> but the word of the Lord in Isaiah twenty-eight thirteen, the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, and here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. Boy, that's what the word of the Lord does to you. Kind of, kind of takes away that self issue that you have and your self righteousness and your self reliance and all those things that we depend upon ourselves. And and isn't that going on with these that we find? <clears throat> I threw out twenty seven demons. I did that. Me. It was all me. Not we've we've sort of left out that the Lord part, who gave them authority to do that and power, but we start thinking, I've got all this by my own works. I have done all this. I'm pretty special. <clears throat> but you know, he'd been telling them about total reliance on Christ. Remember when he sent them out to do this devil casting out and the preaching of the gospel and the things that he told. He says, when you go, don't take any extra shoes, don't take a coat, don't take any food, <clears throat> don't don't take a staff or a little bag to carry anything in. Just go and do what I told you. And and, <clears throat> and so they they went. And, you know, we're getting ready to go for camping and we are taking the script. <laughs> and it is loaded. <laughs> We are we are prepared for any eventuality. I think when we go and, and <clears throat> but these guys they were supposed to be learning something. So he said, "Don't take anything." And then later on in in uh, in Luke, he reminds them of that. He says, "You know, when I out, did you lack anything?" And they said, "No." <laughs> it's almost like they're disappointed. <laughs> yeah, you were right again, Lord. We didn't lack anything. We had plenty to eat. The weather was good. We didn't need a coat. We didn't wear our <laughs> shoes out, so we didn't need two pair. <clears throat> and they didn't have nice shoes like we have nowadays, but they didn't wear out. <clears throat> they, they didn't take. They didn't need any money. They didn't need anything. He, he supplied all of their needs. And and that was a hard lesson for them to to kind of get around and learn. Total reliance on Christ. And, and, he's, and then he goes on in the next segment that we looked at, take up your cross, that self needs to be killed. The self-reliance, the self-righteousness, uh, everything we have that originates within us has to be killed off. <clears throat> and when we're born again, spiritually, <clears throat> then then we, we get what we need from, from the Lord. What... What do you get when you 
sow the seed. He said, it's not up to you. You have no power over that. He says, some of it will land here, some of it will land there. But the stuff that lands where the Holy Spirit has prepared the ground, that will take, that will bring fruit. <clears throat> so, uh, remember always that the, the gospel is the important thing that, that you're doing here. Not all this healing and these physical things that are going to not have any, any real matter in, in some years. Eternal, eternal consequences are what you guys are dealing with here. <clears throat> the Son of Man must go and be betrayed and be killed as a substitute for the sins of his people. And bring that gospel out there. <clears throat> and the ones that the Spirit causes to believe that, they're going to come. They're going to come and they'll be like this little child here. <clears throat> so the hard lesson we have here in, in this it's hard to overcome a matter of self-pride. I'm the I'm the greatest. I did I did the best job at this. Or uh, <clears throat> Norm's always mentioning that when we we bought this building and it had been a assembly of some other false religionists here before, but they had a big box bulletin board thing out here where everybody kept score of all the stuff they did. I've been I've witnessed to eight thousand people. It's all here in my box. And you're not holding up your head here. So uh, it's hard to overcome a matter of pride. You know, it's hard to overcome preconceived dogmas like these disciples had. Like, will thou at this time restore the kingdom to us and throw the Romans out? <clears throat> it's hard to throw out preconceived dogmas of free willism of of Christ died for everyone indiscriminately, and it's just up to you to accept or reject that. Those, those are unscriptural things that are, that are hard to get rid of. <clears throat> it's hard to humble oneself and come as a child. Say, I don't know anything. Teach me. Help thou my unbelief, is what that guy said. If thou believe, all things are possible. And he says, well, I, I, I know that's not happening right now, so I need help. <laughs> help, my, help thou my unbelief, because I sure have that problem. So <clears throat> it's hard not to get involved with who among them should be greatest. That's, hard, that's a hard thing to do. It's just because in our human nature, we kind of like, we're kind of interested in that. And when we involve ourselves in a debate on who's greatest, we're in effect saying someone else is less. Good as me. I'm glad I'm not like that guy. I fast twice during the week. I give tithes of all I have. I, 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 I. And that guy, he's just a sinner. <laughs> and, you know, and... <clears throat> In Philippians chapter 2, we'll turn over there for just a, a moment, if you would, to Philippians <clears throat> chapter 2. It's interesting to see these disciples and those that followed the Lord applying some of these things that they learned the hard way along, along the way. But <clears throat> in Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote this there in verse 3. 
he was kind of the prime example of I'm better than everybody else. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. You know, I got the right name. I got the circumcision. I got the, I mean, he listed off all the, I went to the right college. Blah, 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 blah. And he says, well, that turned out to all be done. And so now he's writing to these Philippians in chapter 2 and verse 3. And he says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. of mine, let each esteem other better than themselves. When everybody's going around saying, oh, you're, you're better than me, you're much greater than me, and that person say, no, it's kind of like, song, remember Song of Solomon? Oh, you're 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 the best. No, no, you're the best. You're you're the greatest. No, you're the, you're you're the loveliest. And no, you're the more lovely. And that banter that goes back and forth between Christ and the church, and 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 not the church saying, "I'm way better than you." <clears throat> so, uh, Galatians chapter five, uh, uh, same thing. He wrote to those Galatian guys here. And, uh, turn over there to chapter 5 of Galatians for, briefly and we'll just read one verse there. <clears throat> Galatians 5 and verse 26 let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. He writes a lot about that. He says, you know, it's the church is made up of different people. It's made up of all kinds. And they all have their function according to the purpose of God. And does the thumb say, well, I'm better than you because I'm not the finger? Or, and all those analogies that he makes to the human body and, you know, or... <clears throat> the eye is the eye better than the the toe and uh, they all serve a function and we'd all miss them terribly if we didn't have whatever appendage that he lifts <laughs> so they all have a function some of them more glamorous than others but uh, they're all there for a purpose and 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 that's the biblical instruction we have a everybody is here according to God's purpose and and he says Back in, in Luke, whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. When God brings someone into the fold, they're there because he brought them there. You know, that kid didn't say, pick me, pick me. Or somebody didn't grab him by the ear and drag him over. This is the Lord took him and set him by him. It was a physical action on the part of Jesus to bring that child over to him. And he says, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. We're, and so he's bringing out this unity in the spirit that he talks a lot about in John, in uh, John chapter 17 in his prayer. I, there we're one together, one, I and them and they and me and I and you and all this oneness, not, well, 
they're in me, but they're like not as good as me. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> we have that that problem, and uh, it's addressed quite a bit in the Bible. Here they're always haggling about who should be the the greatest. And I think in chapter ten they were doing it again, <laughs> and he says, "You know what? D- they're they're going over this devil thing again. Who who is casting out the most demons?" And he says. They were all subject to us. We had power over them. And he says, well, you shouldn't be rejoicing in that as much as you should be rejoicing that your names are written in heaven. And your names are written in heaven because of eternal electing love of the Father and the redeeming death of the Savior in your place. That's what you should be rejoicing in, not this physical stuff that's going to be over with fairly short in your life. <clears throat> And think of the eternal consequence of that. <clears throat> so, it's important that we not get too full of ourselves, especially when the Lord blesses us with some successes. And as these disciples were beginning to attribute their success to their own abilities and not keeping the bigger spiritual picture in mind, uh, it's... It all happens for a purpose, for the growth and edification of the church, that these things happen and that they're common to us all is why they're here uh, for us to learn from. If any any man thinketh he knows some, anything, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, if you think you know something, you don't know anything yet as you ought <laughs> because there's just so much more than than we can realize. I always I always think of that rainbow, uh, that symbol of sovereign grace and mercy in that rainbow that he, and we can see those seven colors. But there's an infinite spectrum of light and colors that are beyond our perception in all directions that we can't see them. They're there. It is the manifold or variegated wisdom of God in Ephesians it tells us that that's what that means multicolored we can't see all of the grace that's involved in everything from creation to the time that we're here until the time that we finally end up with the Lord but it doesn't mean they're not there we just we only have a little little bit of spectrum with which we can see Paul said well right now we, we see through a glass darkly we have a limited perception of things. But then, but then we'll be able to see it all. Then we'll be able to be known as we are, know him as, as we are known. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 13 says, These all died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they had these pictures, shot types and shadows of the Lord coming, or dwelling in, in the flesh, redeeming his people. But they were persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed that, you know what, after we were born again and got a spiritual view of things, we figured out that we're just strangers and pilgrims here in this world. Said the same thing in 
1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And that's not just sexual stuff. That's just like any, any entanglements that cause us to say, I'm pretty great. I'm doing okay by myself. I'm self-reliant. I don't, I don't need total reliance on Christ. Fleshly lusts are things that appeal to the fleshly side of us. I'm, I'm greater than you are is a good example. I'm better than you. <laughs> and he said, each of you ought to treat the other one as better than yourself. And that way everybody will come out on top. So, until the next time, we'll be gone next week. So, until the next time we meet, be free.